Hey, this is Eddie Olchek. You're listening to Empty Betters with Nick, Mac, and Harrison. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 122 of Empty Betters. I'm your host today, Nick Manella, and it is just me while the boys recover this week. We were up in Milwaukee this past weekend, and we are still putting all of our footage together, so don't worry. We'll have that for you guys soon. We do have a quick little show for you today. We are be happy enough to be joined by Jesse Marshall, Penguins writer for The Athletic. He had some great stuff to talk about about the Penguins to, uh, you know, just deal with that delusional fan base and get you guys geared up for the playoffs. So we're really excited to have him on for this one. And we're also really excited to share that footage with you guys coming soon. So hopefully we can get everything working well so you guys can see how much fun we had in Milwaukee. Well, at least the parts that we were able to have the camera there for. So anyways, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and toss it off to Jesse Marshall right now. And we are now pleased to have Jesse Marshall, uh, Penguins analyst on The Athletic, join the Empty Betters podcast. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. So uh, I'm obviously a big fan of your work being the Pens fan on the podcast. I think you do a great job uh, breaking down analytics, video, all that stuff on Twitter. If you're a Pens fan listening, definitely go give Jesse a follow. But uh, Jesse, before we get into the Pens talk, um, just for anybody who is out there that you know, maybe wants to get into sports coverage or writing, just you know, maybe give a little background about how you got into it and your your path. Yeah, I guess I, I mean, I guess I'm uh, you know, I always like to to start stuff like this out anytime I'm asked this question by you know, like encouraging people that are you know potentially taking like non traditional routes to do sports writing. You know, I was um I went to Point Park University, which is a liberal arts college in Pittsburgh, and uh, produced like a lot of a lot of people in the Pittsburgh media scene went to Point Park, but they were all journalism majors, right? Um, I was an English major. I didn't know anything about journalism at all. Still don't. Um, pretty much entirely self-taught, right? Like um, there's a big difference between, you know, writing in research papers in, in the English world and, you know, writing an inverted pyramid and stuff like that in journalism. But, you know, James Myrtle, I always say, is like really the first guy who kind of broke the barrier of going from blog to publication. Um, and that opened the door, you know, I think really for, um, for, for anyone to be able to do it. And especially when the athletic launched, you know, I mean, there's a sense of like irony and like Myrtle hiring me to work for Pittsburgh because we both kind of like took, I think like the same on, you know, non quote unquote traditional route to go from blog to, you know, more traditional outlet. So, um, I guess my encouragement to people when asked this question is, uh, I remember <laughs> uh, being, you know, in college, probably like my senior year, realizing it was too late to switch majors, but having like a semi-decent blog that was like picking up views. And I remember reaching out to somebody on the Penguins beat at the time and saying like, hey, do you have advice for someone? You know, here's my situation. I'm interested in breaking into the business. And they were like, yeah, quit what you're doing uh, and go write police fire reports in the newspaper because otherwise you'll never write about hockey. And like, I printed that out and like, it's still hanging up in my office. <laughs> like I printed that email out because it's so funny now, you know, it's hilarious to read that. Yeah. But, you know, I guess that's my advice is, you know, be encouraged by like, 
if you're if you find yourself in a in a situation you're saying like i would love to write about hockey one day or this is my goal or etc start a blog right now there's nothing stopping you from doing it you can do set it up for free uh you could go build a wordpress site for zero dollars uh and start writing about hockey right now you know that's that's the kind of the nice thing about the world that we're in today you don't have to have the rich background you don't have to have the bells and the dressings. You just have to be able to write and just do it with a, a high level of frequency. And if you could do that, if you could do a podcast that way, whatever it is, um, you know, you can make it happen. That's great advice. And I know we, uh, you know, we have one journalism major um, on here and Mac down there. And, you know, I think he would probably echo, you know, what you just said. And I think it's great advice for anyone who's listening, who wants to kind of, you know, get into sports and maybe cover some of their hometown teams. Yeah, it's good advice for sure. And honestly, it's funny you mentioned like the police and fire stuff, because I think in my very first like journalism 101 class at Marquette, we practiced writing up fake fire stories. And like our, our professor gave us some fake situation where there was a fire at whatever address and he's spewing off info and it's just type, type, type as fast as you can. So it's good exercise, no matter what you want to end up writing about for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, there's like a fine science to being a journalism major. And I mean, nobody knows that better than you. Um, You know, you know, there's a whole art behind it, you know, Um, but, you know, that that can that can make you better. Right. And that can enhance your work. Um, But it's not it's no longer requisite. Right. And I think that's kind of the I think too many people get hung up on the what ifs, um, you know, I equate it to people all the time to looking at a job application and seeing a preference on it that you don't have and then just not applying. We didn't say it was a requirement, right? You said it was a preference. Right. You still have all these other qualifications that you meet. Uh, so yeah, anyway, I went on a diatribe there. Sorry. No, you're, you're all good. I, I, I do want to ask you, how long have you been with the pens now? Or covering uh, the pens, I should say. Yeah, so I started like my hobby blog, you know, like quote unquote, uh, like in 2007. And then um, I sold that and um, closed that down and joined up with the Pens blog who had already been going for a really long time at that point and had like a huge brand um, and then left there and joined the athletic. And so really like 14 years, I guess. Wow. It's yeah. Wow. But I've like, you know, was arguing about the penguins on message boards, even I think way before that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really long time. No, I hear you. So let's uh, let's chat some Pens talk right here. So, it's kind of been a weird, a weird season, in my opinion. It's been a lot of ups and downs with the injuries, the hot streaks, the recent, you know, mediocre streaks, I'll say. Um, what's your general overall feel for the team as we're about to head into playoffs? Oh, man, I think it's one that went from confidence, you know, maybe a month ago, maybe even going back, you know, to, to Valentine's Day. Um, you know, I think metrically, the Penguins were top seven in the league in most of the, you know, analytical categories you want to look at and be top seven in, you know, expected goals, things of that nature. I think the video suggested that they were still a really good team. You know, Sidney Crosby's obviously was still, still clicking, but I think just since then things have gone awry. (laughs) I don't, you know, let's, you know, injury to Tristan Jari aside for a minute, right just the fundamentals of the way that team play the game, the, the up-tempo forecheck they have and the sort of the pressure they bring and that sort of quote unquote, you know, full ice press uh, that that's sort of synonymous with Mike Sullivan. You know, that really hasn't been there as much. I think it's left them vulnerable, um, 
you know, on the defensive side and has put some of their defensemen in really rough situations. Um, and I think it's just, you know, the, what, what concerns me, and I don't mean to like, you know, bring the doom and gloom and um, the Capitals fans uh, in this are going to be happy to hear all this information. But, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to, but what concerns me is, you know, I think you evaluate a team going into the playoffs, where are their strengths, where are their weaknesses. The weaknesses should never be things that you would expect to see around game eight or game nine or game 10, right? Not game 80. And I think, I think we have to talk about like that. I don't think for me that there's a goaltending aside, I don't think there's a bigger red flag. Goaltending is always the biggest red flag, right? But, but to have a team that's fundamentally not able to master their system in the sort of like the end, the crux of their regular season, you, you really got to start asking some really hard questions about that. And, and you know, I, again, injuries aside, I know people have been in and out of the lineup. It's kind of been the same here since 2015. The system hasn't really changed. You know, it is what it is. Um, right. My question is what's causing them to have these really fundamental failures that we've seen against the Caps, against the Bruins, uh, you know, against the Rangers especially. It's just kind of been popping up all over the place. And that, that to me, is not only a head-scratcher, but it's making me a little bit concerned about how long they're going to last in the postseason. Oh yeah. I definitely have my concerns. Um, you know, it, it, it's been weird here lately with the suspension from Malkin. I think the big thing for me is that, you know, at the start of the year, obviously we had Sid and Gino out, but so you're going to have guys, depth guys, you know, raise their, elevate their game, raise their numbers just naturally as a result of that. But here lately, I mean, aside from Danton Heinen, it seems like the depth scoring has completely fallen off the face of the planet. What do you think about that? Well, I 100% agree. And I mean, realistically, Malkin and all that aside, I mean, they were a team that, you know, average this year uh, has been around 29th in finishing ability. Um, that's, I think, speaks to really like, you know, the lack of depth they have. I, I think, you know, the Malkin discourse has been too hot for me to want to go around. It's magma level volcano takes uh, <laughs> in, in and out of the city. But like, if I went up to a Caps fan and I said like, man, the Caps would be so much better without Cozy in the lineup. It looked at me like I had two heads. Depends like, on how he's playing. I might agree with you. Last, <laughs> last year, we would have, we would have shook in your hand and said, I'm on your side, but Welcome yeah, to the club. you turned it around, I guess. But I mean, like, that's, that's kind of where we're at the Malkin discourse now is there's this whole thing of like, the, the notion that the penguins play better when he's out of the lineup. And that's just not true. You know, it's really just not, it's not true. Um, I think you, you'd be insane to not say that he elevated the play of a lot of the people around him this year. And, and he himself, um, you know, was, was fairly unstoppable at points uh, playing with really a lot of, let's be frank scraps. Um, so yeah. I, here's the thing. He's got to come back with some discipline. He's got to come back. I think a little bit more controlled, and I think he does have the the sort of want to freelance a little bit, we'll say, not deviate from the system, but, but take more risk. You know, I think when times are tight and things aren't going as well, you'd like to see a little less of that. But overall, they ha- they need him. They desperately need him. It's been evident since he's been out of the lineup. Um, it, getting him back is, you know, you, you hope can help tighten the wheels of this thing a little bit before they get it. But that Boston game was respectable, right? I mean, it was. Mm-hmm. It had its meltdown moments, and it was ugly at times. Um, but I think overall, you felt a little bit better about the way the ship was looking, at, you know, having seen that game than you did, you know, evaluating some of the performances prior to that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward the next couple of weeks here into the playoffs, I, there's a ton of talk about, you know, just what a gauntlet the East is, you know, as Caps fans, we're looking at our, you know, are we going to be playing Florida? Is there a chance we could be playing New York? I know that Penguins fans are doing the same thing. Where do you see the most favorable matchup for the Penguins and who do you not want to see at all? I don't know that there's an answer to this. Like, I don't know that there's a, I want to see answer to this. <laughs> um, I'll say this much, right? Like, no disrespect to the Rangers, honestly. But I feel like a lot of the problems that the Penguins experienced at, at behest of the Rangers this year were really self-inflicted. Like, I don't think the Rangers are playing a style of play or employing a system that is giving the Penguins fits. I think the Penguins have just been dog water against the Rangers this year and have put in some of their absolute worst performances. Because I'm going to go back and, like, you look at the tape, it's not anything the Rangers are particularly doing here that stands out like and, and, and screams at you, hey, this is the key. It's more like the Penguins have just kind of given the game up to them and made a lot of really horrific mistakes, unprompted <laughs> a lot of times. So I, I guess I probably would still pick the Rangers, and it's just a crazy thing to do because they have the best goalie in the league, uh, and that's normally a real Penguin killer. But I'll I, I can't in good conscience say I want to play Florida, but I think the Penguins' problem is they're not as fast as they used to be, and they kind of are trying to play like they are, and a team like Florida is just going like, to cut through them, absolutely mm. cut through them, I think, in a playoff scenario. Um, that's just a, it, That, to me, is the systematic nightmare matchup, if you're a Penguins fan, is, is either Carolina uh, or Florida, because they're just too fast. That's just the way it is. I mean, it's just they're just going to go uh, around you. I mean, yeah, that's really and 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 I think like what you've seen, and and this is what I'm, I'm going to be very specific in my concern here, is the stretch pass all of a sudden has reared its ugly head against the Penguins. If they don't get pressure on you and they don't force you to make bad decisions, you've kind of got the time, the space, and the lane to make a really long cross ice pass that immediately puts the pressure on their defense. You've seen Latang, Dumoulin, Marino, all these guys all of a sudden facing the wrong direction on a zone entry because mm -hmm. they've just got spun by a long pass they weren't expecting. That stuff shouldn't be happening in the system. Um, I think Carolina and Florida are just much more adept at doing that to you. Not to say the Rangers can't, they can. Um, but I just think systematically, like that is the piece that really scares me about those two teams in particular. I want to go back a little bit. Uh, a few minutes ago, you were kind of talking about the systems and how the system has pretty much been the same in Pittsburgh, right? For the last several years, Sullivan been the coach since 25, late 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, one of the longer tenured coaches. I know John Cooper's the longest, I think, uh, with the Lightning. But I'm, I'm curious, and Harry, if you want to chime in on this too, I'm curious how you guys feel about Sullivan these days and, you know, when – if and when there would be a time to make a change, or if you think that he should just stay until Crosby and Malkin are gone, no matter what, or kind of just want to get your opinion on that. Yeah. I, I still think he's, you know, one of the better coaches in the league. Um, I do think that over time, as his career has gone on, he's lost some of the elements that made him so successful. So early in his career, like one of them, is willingness to scrap something if it's not working systematically and go to something else. Uh, that's not a common trait among NHL coaches. You know, think back 
I know we get we got a bunch of Metro guys in this chat. We get Bruce Boudreaux, Dan Bilesma. You know, these are names. Todd Reardon's probably another big one. These are names that we hear and we talk about. And the thing that kind of constantly pops up with those names is, well, they didn't do anything. They just kept running the same thing over and over and over again. It didn't work, right? It broke. Um, Sullivan, I think, early in his career defied that. And there's maybe only a handful of coaches in the league that do it. And I think as time has gone on, he's gotten more stapled to his philosophy and a little, I guess, maybe less creative in how he deploys the team. Uh, you know, at a five-on-five level. So I, that being said, there's probably, my argument would be, if you took him out of the equation entirely and he wasn't here at all, especially in a season like this one, where you had so much, you know, you were saying it earlier, so much up and down, people went in and out of the lineup, Crosby, Malkin gone, Gensel gone, Russ gone, at points. I don't even know if you're in a position now where you're in the playoffs you know, maybe you've lost enough ground without Sullivan at the helm that Columbus is in your spot. You know, I don't think that's completely out of the realm of possibility. So the grass isn't always greener, right? Um, I think it's, you know, if, if they go out of the first round uh, this year and it's ugly and it looks like it did the last couple of years, I don't, you know, it's tough for me to say that a, a regime with Ron Hextall that has no affiliation to him, right? Didn't win a championship with him, doesn't have that connection. I don't think same with the ownership group for that matter, who's brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think they're, they're going to be hesitant to, you know, to want to get to part ways with him if, if they perceive they can still win in this window. Um, but, you know, again, grass isn't always greener. Got to consider what's coming in the other direction. It's not like intra organization. They have someone ready and prepared to take over the position. They'd be going externally probably to hire unless they, you know, were to give it to Todd Reardon. I don't, you know, no, fans. please don't. Right. Don't. So, <laughs> I don't know why that, you guys you know. are saying that's a bad thing. He helped the Penguins out for two years in Washington. <laughs> that's funny. No, Jesse, I totally agree with what you're saying. And, you know, obviously you win back to back cups and you think back to those years and everything seems good. But I just remember when he first came on, you know, he had this presence about him all, you know, video and analytics aside, just the brand of Mike Sullivan. It was always like, Let's just play. We just play our game. He said it over and over and over in 16 and 17. And you really felt it. And you felt like the players felt it. And and now, you know, he's still saying it, but it's just, it's, it's hard to really buy into that when, you know, Kapanen's got what, like three goals and 40 games. And you're trying to see him like, you know, evolve into like that secondary scoring role. That's really pivotal in a playoff run. Like Sherry did back in the day. I don't know. It just it just feels a little bit different, a little bit. I mean, lackluster. Well, look, you don't have Phil Kessel on your third line anymore. Right? Yeah, that too. A huge difference right there. Um, yeah, I I I agree a hundred percent. He's coaching a team that is you know it's been given to him. Um, I do think he's got a sudden reticence to trust and deploy young players, which is weird to me, uh, especially at forward. Um, yeah, but I mean to your point, I just. I don't know if you're going to go out and get somebody better than him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think he's taken the best parts of coaches that had success in Pittsburgh with this core before and melded them all together. You know, he's got the Terrian level toughness and with the Bilesma level, let the horses run and go play offense sort of approach. So it's, it's been, it's been the right porridge temperature. Um, I think in that regard and, you know, yeah. we have to, I think, at some point acknowledge that really, you know, this core eight through coaches, you know, 
a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just did, you know, I mean, Mike Sullivan, Mike, you know, uh, Mike Sullivan has outlasted all of his predecessors for a reason. Um, so yeah, I, the, 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 I, I think there's a pressure in the city um, to get out of this first round. Mm -hmm. um, even if you don't win a cup, you know, I think that the, the first round exits are just, uh, they're starting to wear um, uh, on people now. So I, 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 you know, again, with a new ownership group and a new um, GM and assistant GM and hockey ops and all that, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a change made if, you know, time or a history were to, were to repeat itself. Yeah. And I think you make a good point about the window too, right. And obviously the caps are in a similar situation, but with a new coaching system and, and all that, it, it takes time to adjust to that, which is almost something you don't want to do if your window's closing, right. It might take longer to, uh, bring in a new coaching staff and get everybody going with that than it would to just try and go for another cup with Sullivan. So it, yeah, it'll be interesting. And I'm, I'm less inclined probably than most people uh, to, to believe that the window is closed. Um, I know that's, that's subject to debate. And there are some people that think it's just not open at all anymore, but you know, Hey, Sidney Crosby's well over a point per game. Jake Gensel is going to score 40 goals this year, probably knock on wood. Uh, you find a way to keep Brian Rust. You've got one of the more you know, dynamic offensive talents in the league, two-way offensive talents in the league. Uh, it's the company, you know, it's, it's, this is not dire straits here. You know, um, the stars are getting older and, and there's some tough decisions to be made. Um, but if, if Ron Hextall navigates it the right way, you know, you're, you're very much still in play here, um, you know, for a little while longer, at least. So um, that, that's what makes this offseason and everything that's about to happen you know, over the course of the next little bit so important. Yeah, I don't want to ask you this, but I'm going to ask you this. Obviously, we got playoffs coming up, and that's what you want to focus on. And you don't have to dive into this too deep, but, you know, do you think it's possible they can keep Latang, Malkin, and Rust, all three of them? No, absolutely not. No chance. Okay. Um, and, and I think that, like, you know, again, you have an ownership group who I think respects the history and I don't, I say ownership group, it's not like Mary Lemieux not still around, right? Like he's still here, still carrying his weight, but you have a new group here. And I, and I, you know, are they going to want to pay Chris Letang $10 million a year? Or are they going to want to hash out a deal with Brian Rust and keep him here for a while longer? You know, if we were to judge that based off of other sports and how they behave in other sports, they're going to keep Rust. Like that's just, I mean, that's just what they've done in other scenarios. Right. And like, I, I, I that's probably a play I, I, I'd probably agree with. So I, I just don't see a way, you know, knowing, take a look at some of these contracts that are getting handed out. Right. Like look at Rasmus Ristolainen. How? <laughs> well, How? flyers. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> sure. But like, just look at like, who, what do you think? Brian Rust could get on the open market. Oh, uh, you know? yeah, I mean, it'd be exactly. stupid. It'd be yeah. dumb. The Oilers would go out and find a way to pay him and just play with six forwards and no goalie. And that'd be their strat <laughs> next year. That'd be the new OP strat in the NHL. So, yeah. um, you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, I just, I don't think it's possible. Um, I think there's, this is going to be, this is going to be the off season of reckoning gentlemen uh, for the Pittsburgh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Things are, Things are going to happen, like it or not. 
One player I wanted to ask you about uh, was uh, Kasperi Kapanen. What have your thoughts been on him so far this season? Um, well, I feel like a lot of what I said about him when that trade went down has come to roost. Um, you know, his issues being uh, from a hockey brain perspective, a smarts perspective, you know, he didn't really have what it took to cut it in the top six in Toronto. Um, the issues with, you know, why that was the case are rearing their head again in Pittsburgh. Um, let's be honest, you've not even seen this coaching staff attempt to play him with Sidney Crosby. Yep. They haven't even entertained it, right, at all. I ran a poll. I ran a poll because when he was traded to Pittsburgh, I was like, wow, he's going to play, put him in the top line. Across, is going to be great. And I have a poll on Twitter. Like how long is, is, would this actually last if it happened in training camp? And like, I don't even, like most people voted like Halloween as the end date. We didn't even get to that. Like we didn't, like, like they, yeah. they, they torched that blueprint before we even got to that point. So it's a lot of, um, you know, get into the zone, cross the offensive blue line, wall up stop right kill your momentum wait for everybody else to get up turn it over that's it or shoot it a high wide off the glass and now it's a breakout for the other team that took six or seven seconds yeah um so it's it's been brutal i don't think there's any other way to cut it you know i I think that there are some situations where people aren't scoring goals and you look at the data and the data says wow like they're drowning in scoring chances right like it's a matter of time before this changes and the floodgates open, but that's not the case here, right? This is not, this is a player who's not scoring a lot of goals and also isn't getting a lot of scoring chances. So it's like, you just don't expect this to change anytime soon. And I think we have to like, at least for the rest of this run, adjust our perception on what he is as a player and accept that like, he could be a useful bottom six guy. Like he really could, like he has the potential to do that. And if you find the right mix, down there, it could work. Um, and I think that's the focus now. That should be the focus. Find that mix, adjust your expectation, lower it. And, and you know, I, I think you may find that, that he can meet it in the bottom six. Again, we're all going to kind of have to collectively adjust and adapt here. <laughs> so do you have any, like, I hate to use this term, but like insider knowledge, if Jari's going to be okay and play game one, because I'm sweating over here, Jesse, it's not looking pretty. <laughs> I know he's not going to play. No, no uh, chance. I, I will tell you this though. I, I, and I'm no like friggin' doctor, but I, you know, pain management is a thing in sports, right? Like we all know that take a shot, you know, slap on the ass and get out there and play. Right. Like, we'll see you later. Um, that, you know, he's, I think, probably looking at a scenario where that's a possibility later on, like not tomorrow, not the next day, not game one. Um, but like, there's, as a goalie, right? <laughs> like, he's using his foot yeah. to do everything, right? Yep. To push off, to get up, to get down, to go side to side, to get off the post. Um, that, that becomes compromised. So, um, you can manage it. There's pain management. Uh, I just, you know, I don't, I don't know anything beyond that. And I, and, and, you know, I'm even speculating now. So it just, it does not the type of situation that strikes me as 
you know, is going to be resolved in the very near future. So don't want to keep it. I have to, and I have to complain about this for a second. Oh, go Uh, ahead. I know a lot of, (laughs) I know a lot of people are like, well, you didn't get a goalie at the deadline. They have $11,000 in cap space. $11,000 in cap space. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's disingenuous to make that claim. I think if you want to make the argument, punt it further back and have it in the off season last year. Like, why didn't this get addressed before the season started? I'll entertain that discussion. We can have that discussion. I won't have that discussion about the deadline. You know, they right. gave DeSmith a run of games for him to get the opportunity to get his footing and prove himself. And he did it. I've jokingly said all year, if you look at the top 10 saves of the year for the Penguins, seven out of the 10 are Casey DeSmith in like the last month. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, that tweet and you're exactly right. He secured the job, rightfully so. If you want to get into depth, you want to have these other discussions, I'll have them, but we got to go further back than this. we got to go way, way back in the offseason. And by the way, like the Penguins very much believed, and I think we're right in believing, that Andy Kyoto was going to make a significant difference with the group. I think he did. Like, I think mm-hmm. Tristan Jari was on the precipice of having his career ruined by that playoff performance. You know, it's like, make no mistake about that. He single-handedly lost the series for the Penguins. Knew about it, like was well aware it had happened, <laughs> and mm-hmm. comes back and for most of the years in the top ten of like every major goaltending metric you want to look at. So, uh, you know, we can have the debate on all day long and like whether or not not addressing this was the right call. Um, the point is, it is what it is now. You have to live with it, and you better hope that you know Louis Domingue is ready to give you another Jeff Zatkoff performance in Game One if need be or something. Like that. <laughs> that's, that's where we're at right now. Zakoff, that's a name I forgot about. Oh, Blast yeah. from the past, yeah. Um, well, we don't want to keep you too long. I know you know you got um, a kid at home, and you're you're trying to be quiet and stuff. And big respect for even doing the interview with that going on. I mean, that's dedication. We appreciate that. Um, but what the last thing I want to ask you: paint me some type of optimistic picture where I'm not crying myself to sleep by the second week of May, please. <laughs> like, what what do the Penguins have to do? to actually win a round, regardless of who it's against? So I think, like, for the majority of this year, really, like, overwhelming majority of this year, like, you've seen a team, like, regardless of opponent, that when they have an engaged forecheck, when they have guys up ice rotating in and out of their pressure, that they are really a whirlwind and difficult to deal with. And, like, we even see it now in spurts, right? Like, you know, the captain always leads the way. And I feel like there's been a couple instances over the last two, three weeks where he's sort of single-handedly picked the team up by suspenders and drug them across to a win and to two points himself. Um, so I'm, I'm never going to be completely down. I think on a team that has like a, a, a Sidney Crosby playing at a high level um, that has proven as a group that they can forecheck. Like we've seen it, right? It's in there somewhere. So the eternal debate with this team is, you know, are they going to flip the switch? Is there a switch? Are they going to magically like turn a generator on in the, in the building that <laughs> magically kicks things into this extra 11th gear? I don't know. Like, yeah, uh, I don't think that's a thing. Um, I think what you can expect like, in the coming weeks is probably um, a heavy dose of video from the coaching staff, um, like embarrassing tape analysis of when things go wrong with like a real focus on like here's what we got to get back to um i hope that maybe you see some lineup decisions that align with that 
I think Brian Boyle, for instance, has been great. And I think will be very useful in the playoffs, but probably needs a night off here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just things like that. Right. So um, optimism for me is they still have Sidney Crosby, who's still playing at a really high level. And um, is one of, you know, is playing on one of the best top lines in hockey. So um, you never, you know, you never completely bet against that. I would agree with that. I'm holding hope. But it, it, the, the generator switch is a perfect analogy because that's what I've been thinking, right? They got five games left. Can we just flip the switch, run five and oh, and feel a little bit better about ourselves? Highly unlikely, but we'll see. I, I just think that that switch um, either goes away or it gets harder to turn on once you eclipse the age of 35. Mm-hmm. Speaking yep. from experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, uh, Jesse, we really appreciate, it, especially with the, the circumstances you're operating in, you know, we, we respect the dedication and um, for coming on the podcast. It's been a great one. I always, I'm always around to talk hockey, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. I would love to do this again in the future, uh, especially if I need like, you know, some type of therapy after the first <laughs> round. So hey, we'll, we'll cry it out together. Yeah, I'll be there right there go. with you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. We'll be right, crying we'll too. Don't worry. <laughs> Take care. Enjoy Thank Baltimore you. too. Appreciate you. Big thanks to Jesse for joining us. Uh, just so calculated when it comes to talking about the Penguins. And as a Cavs fan, I can be honest, I do appreciate his level-headedness. Let's go ahead and put it that way. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that one. Like I mentioned before, we'll have the Milwaukee stuff coming to you very soon here. Uh, stay tuned for the new spring merch, which is going to be coming out on Instagram quite soon as well. And that stuff is currently available on our store. If you go to EmptyBetters.com and hit the Shop tab, you can go and check it out there. Also, before we wrap up, we do want to thank Brackish Life. Be sure to check out Brackish.life to get yourself set up for the summer. Go ahead and download SharpRank so you can go ahead and make picks along with us and try and climb that leaderboard like we did. We also want to say a big thanks to the Yacht Lender for keeping you guys happy out on the water. I know I'm pumped for the summer. Probably going to have him chauffeur me back and forth to Secrets anyway so I can get Blackout plastered there. That's going to be awesome. And then we also want to say thanks to Kane Footwear for keeping us comfortable on our trip to Milwaukee. So without further ado, we'll see you guys next week in Class Dismissed. Dismissed.